So our series is Don't Be a Snob, and uh, we've been in the book of James, chapter 2. So you want to go ahead and turn there. We'll be getting in that a little bit later. The hashtag for this series is Don't Be a Snob. So if you're going to put something on social media, please use that hashtag so we'll be able to see it. If you want to communicate with us here at the bridge in some way, this is a great email address to use. Also, if you'd like to get the sermon notes of any of the messages here at the bridge, we'll be glad to send the sermon notes to you. So we've been talking about the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, the nature of God. And one of the, one of the characteristics, one of the attributes is that God is fair. God is impartial. God treats everybody the same. Who's happy about that today? How many of y'all are glad he loves ugly people? You glad God loves ugly people? Amen. I'm really thrilled about that one. So God, God treats everybody the same, which makes him very unlike us because we put people in categories. It's our nature. It's who we are. We just kind of have biased ideas and prejudiced thoughts about people. And a lot of times we make those judgments based on a one-time encounter with them, just the way they look or the way they sound or the way they uh, speak. We tend to put everybody in categories, but God doesn't snub you because of what you lack, and God also doesn't treat you with more respect, and God isn't impressed with you because of what you possess, because of your status or your wealth. James gives us a series of tests here in the book of James. He says some things are going to come your way, and they're going to reveal your walk with God. How many of you know that there are things God allows to come our way that causes us to reveal where we are in our walk with God? Number one, he said trials are going to come in the book of James. He said trials will come. How you react to those will reveal a lot about you. Temptations will come. He said truth will come. You'll get new truth, or maybe you'll understand something about the truth you didn't know, and how you react to the truth is going to reveal your walk with God. And then he says, and this is what we're talking about in this series, he says how you treat people, how you treat people, especially how you treat the down and outers, how you treat the nobodies in this world. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we won't go there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that's a scripture for you to look up and read on your own. The Bible says God chooses the people who are not, those who are not. In other words, it just seems like they don't exist. They can be in a room and to go totally unnoticed. They're the nobodies in this world. God says the nobodies might be unimportant to you, and the nobodies might be unimportant to the world and this world system, but God says, I choose the nobodies. God says, I pick them. I select them. They are special to me. So God is saying to us, how you treat them is very, very important and very revealing in your walk with God. We're focusing on James chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, as he talks about the sin 
of partiality in the local church. The principle that James wants to drive home in this sermon series is that as Christians, we are to be like our God, and our God is not prejudiced, so God forbids his followers to be prejudiced. That's the word of the Lord in this message. We've been uh, covering verses 1 through 4 in the uh, first two sermons. Let's look today at verses 5 through 7. James chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. And I love, I love, you know, when you read the book of James, when you study the book of James, it's one of the, it's one of the um, for me personally, one of the most fun, and I don't know if fun is the word, but it's one of the most enjoyable books to study. It's like five chapters, and it is just a very, very powerful language. And I love the fact that James doesn't pull any punches. James puts it out there. But, but when we read verse 5 here, we see his love. We see his love for the people he's speaking to. Listen, listen, hearken, listen up, verily, verily. Jesus used verily, verily. That means listen up, listen up. My beloved brothers and sisters. So James is being very loving here. He is about to nail them with the truth, but he wants to do it in a way that shows his compassion and shows his love for them. Look what he says. My beloved fellow Christians, my brothers and my sisters, fellow Christians, has not God chosen the poor? God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and as believers to be heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. Let's go to the next slide. But you, in contrast, have dishonored the poor man. So James is really calling them out here. He's really being very blunt with them. He says, you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and exploit you and personally drag you into the courts of law? Do they not blaspheme the precious name of Christ by which you were called? One more slide. Guys, thank you. Blessed by God's grace and compassion is he who considers the helpless. If you consider the helpless, if you think about the helpless, if you give attention to the nobodies, if you go out of your way, it's so easy to walk through a room. Hey, can I just say this? It's so easy in church to just walk through the foyer and look for the people you know and look for the people you're comfortable with, look for the people you want to be seen with, you want to hang around with, you want to have a conversation with. It is so easy to walk by somebody you don't recognize, you don't know, or even worse, somebody that you consider to be lower in status than you are. A lot of times it's so easy to walk by them. Now look what the Bible says. Blessed by God's grace and compassion is the person who considers the helpless, who is sensitive toward the helpless. The Lord will save him. In other words, the Lord will save, not the helpless. No, the Lord will save the helpless. But it's saying here, the Lord will save the person who gives attention to the helpless. Y'all with me? So the Lord will save him in the day 
of trouble. So what James is pointing out here to us is that the absolute inconsistency of being disrespectful to the poor or being disrespectful to the nobodies who are considered some lower um, um, uh, level based on some human criteria that we've come up with on our own. James is saying, I want you to see Bridge. I want you to see Pastor Farrell. I want you to see the inconsistency of calling yourself a Christian, calling yourself a Christ follower while showing favoritism. You can't do that. James is reminding us that when we look through God's redemptive story, when you read the Bible, when you read the Word of God, and you kind of follow through all the way from Genesis right on through the Old Testament into the New Testament, and you kind of take in all of God's redemptive story, and you consider all of that, there is one thing that keeps coming through. It is obvious that God has chosen the ones the world thinks are nobodies. God has picked them. God has selected them, the down and outers, the ones who seem useless. James is saying to us, I want you to think about it, Bridge. I want you to think about it, individual followers of Christ. When you examine the people of God selected throughout history, the list is dominated by the poor. The list of people God uses is dominated by people who uh, do not have what the rich possess. And God is saying to us in this series, he's saying to us in this message today, I want you guys to listen up. Notice what James said right off the bat in the scripture. Listen, listen, I'm telling you, and here's what God is ultimately going to say to us in this series today, in this message today. He's going to say, if you will do that, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you in a way that otherwise you would not have been blessed if you will give love, if you will give consideration to the poor. Now, it's important for you to know that this is not saying that God never uses the powerful or God never uses the rich or God never uses those who have um, a high status, God does, and I'll just name a few of them. You remember Abraham in the Bible, of course you do. Abraham was an extremely wealthy man. The Bible tells us in Genesis 13 that he had great possessions and great wealth and that God selected him, a wealthy man, to be the father of the nation of Israel. And so we see God choosing the rich. So we're not here today saying that God never chooses the powerful. He never uses people who have been blessed financially. But it is saying that he does use the poor in his redemptive story more often. Job is another one. He was also a wealthy man, a godly man, so godly that God literally turned Satan loose on him to test him. When you read about Job in the book of Job, it talks about how rich he was. It says in chapter 1 of the book of Job that he had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500 oxen, and I thought it was interesting when I was reading this, the commentator that uh, I was reading behind said that would be like owning uh, 500 Mercedes-Benz. So, I mean, Job was a very wealthy man, 500 beasts of burden. 
a very great household so that he was one of the wealthiest people in the world at that time. Had he lived today, he would have been on the cover of Forbes magazine. And then there's Joseph of Arimathea. You've heard of him. Joseph of Arimathea was a very rich man in the New Testament, very prosperous. He was rich enough to provide for our Lord a garden tomb where he would be buried after his crucifixion. And we all remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, what kind of man was Zacchaeus? He was a what? A wee little man. Yes, he was. And a what? Wee little man was he. Yes, you guys know your Bibles. Good. Zacchaeus was a very uh, wealthy man. And um, he uh, had turned what he took in taxes because the tax collectors back in that day it was, um, it was a very um, deceitful work, and they would take the taxes, and they would take taxes for uh, the government, they, but they would also take taxes for themselves. And I love the story of Zacchaeus. He is this greedy uh, man. He is this man who loves himself. He is this man who has robbed so many people, but when he is converted... When he becomes a follower of Jesus, he becomes a very generous man. So again, we talked about this last week. When you have given your life to Christ, when you have surrendered your life to Christ, one of the signs that you are a follower of Jesus is your attitude toward people change, toward people changes. And so we see Zacchaeus, a greedy man, comes to Christ. Jesus goes to his house and has a meal with him, and he is converted. And after that, he is able to give back even more than he took from the people. So when he, when he returned what he had stolen from them, he gave them back more. So God does choose the rich people to bless the needy. But God has a special affection and love for the poor. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through Psalms a little bit, and you'll see the scriptures come up on the screen. And I want you to really notice here how your life will change, how your life will change, how my life will change if we allow God to do this work in us that causes us to be like him in giving attention, giving love, giving care to the needy. Let's read it. Psalm 41, 1 through 3. Blessed by God's grace and compassion is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will save him in the day of trouble. Look at uh, verse 2. The Lord will protect him. The Lord will protect him. The Lord will protect who? He'll protect the poor person? Well, yes, he will, but he's talking about the person who blesses the poor person, the person who loves, the person who gives attention, the person who reaches out to the poor. He says that person will be protected. Anybody need any protection these days? God said, I'll protect you. He says he'll keep him alive. So I guess that means if you don't reach out to the poor, he won't keep you alive. He'll kill you. Maybe that's why that means. No, that's not it. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. Now, this is what God will do for you if you will have his heart toward the needy. He goes on, and he will be called blessed in the land. 
You do not hand him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain and strengthen him on his what? Come on. Sickbed. So this is talking about healing, a special blessing of healing that will be made available to the people who care about the poor. He says he will, he will strengthen him on his sickbed. In his illness, come on, he will what? Restore him to health. How about that? Have you ever read that before? You know, I think a lot of times we pray for healing. We pray for God to, to heal our body. And I've certainly been praying that over the last 48 hours for God to heal us. And he says right here that, you know what? If you care about the nobodies, if you love the nobodies, he says there is a blessing of healing when you're on your sickbed for you. There is restoration of your health. I think that's powerful, powerful language right there. In other words, if you take care of the poor, then God will take care of you because you have God's heart. You have the heart of God. Let's look at another verse. Psalm 68 and verse 10 Oh God, in your goodness, you provided for the poor. We're seeing the heart of God here toward the poor. We're seeing God's heart. Psalm 72 and 4, may he bring justice to the poor among the people, save the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. This is God's heart toward the nobodies. Let's go on. We're still in 72 and look at verse 12. For he, God, will rescue the needy, when that needy person cries for help, he will minister to the afflicted and the abused also and him who has no helper. That's it right there, guys. That's it right there. God has a special, a special love, a special compassion for those who have no helper. For those who have nobody on their side. For, no, for those who have nobody pulling for them. And then here is a, another scripture. Um, he raises the poor, Psalm 113 and verse 7. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. And then let's go to Proverbs and see a few scriptures there very quickly. Proverbs 17 and 5, whoever mocks the poor. This is a powerful verse right here. Don't miss this one. Whoever mocks the poor reproaches his maker. Hey, you know in uh, the book of James when that usher told the poor guy to sit down against the wall or sit down on the floor or sit down at the footstool of the rich man? You remember that in James? Well, he was, he was right there mocking the poor. And the Bible says when you mock the poor, you reproach the poor guy's maker. Who is that? God. He's saying you're reproaching God. And he who rejoices at another's disaster will not go unpunished. So when you treat a poor person, when you treat a person who has no helper, when you treat them with contempt, when you're unfaithful to meet their needs, then you mock their creator who is our God. Let's look at Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will cry out himself. But when he cries out, he will what? He'll be unanswered. 
So the Word of God is saying if your prayers aren't being answered, you might do a little inventory this morning. You might do a little soul searching. If you've been struggling and having God respond to your prayers, then it might be because he has stopped his ears to your need. Or maybe you stopped your ears to the needs of someone who has no help or someone who's a nobody. We're to be sensitive to those in need. Look at Proverbs 28 and 27. He who gives to the poor will never want. But he who shuts his eyes from their need will have many curses. Generosity to the poor and being good to the poor means that you uh, will not lack for anything, that God will take care of your needs. But if you hide your eyes from them, if you say, I don't want to see that, I don't want to know that, I don't want to be aware of that, that takes away my joy, that takes away my happiness, so I don't want to know about these things people are going through. The Bible says that you will have many curses. But if you give to the poor, if you're loving to the poor, and ladies and gentlemen, let me just pause here and say, I understand that there are poor people who are poor because they won't, they won't work. They won't do the things they need to do to provide for themselves. And I want you to know God talks about that in his word as well. But what did Jesus say about the poor? Do you remember? The poor you will have with you. So there are many, many people who need us to reach out that hand and to be sensitive and to be aware, aware of what's going around, uh, on around us in our community. Proverbs 29, 7, the righteous man cares for the rights, and this one won't come up on the screen, but just listen. The righteous man cares for the rights of the poor, but the wicked man has no interest in such knowledge. The wicked man doesn't even want to know about the needs of the poor. Now let's go to Proverbs 31 and 9. So when you know about injustice and when you know that the nobodies, the people who have no helper are being mistreated, you are to do what? What are you to do? You're to open your mouth. You're to speak. They can't speak for themselves often. The Bible talks about this. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and administer justice because they can't administer it for themselves. So we administer justice for who? The what? The afflicted and the needy. We are to stand up for them. Listen, guys. If the church isn't going to do it, who's going to do it? The church, is, the church has been called to do this. Christians have been called to do this. Look at the next verse, Proverbs 31, 20. And you know the Proverbs 31 woman, right, ladies? You know about her, and you've probably heard some sermons on Mother's Day. Well, look at the Proverbs 31 woman. She opens and extends her hands to the poor, and she reaches out her field hands to the needy. So she might not have much, but what she has she shares. She shares it. Isaiah talked about this, and I could have given scriptures in Isaiah. Isaiah 25 talks about this. Amos 2, 4, 5, and 12 talks about this. There are many, many other places that I could have talked about it. Here's what I want to say to you today, and I really am closing, trust me. Partiality discrimination against people because they are on a lower economic level. 
because they're lower educationally, because they're lower in terms of what they possess, is in direct opposition to the very nature of God, and it is worthy of judgment. And God calls us out as a church. God calls out the bridge. God calls out Pastor Farrell and Miss Millie. And God calls out the staff, and he calls out the church board. And he says, if you say you walk with God, you will share his concern for the nobodies of this world. A person who walks with God will share God's love and concern for those nobodies. Let's look at James chapter 1. We've been in James chapter 2, but look what it says in James 1. Pure and unblemished religion as it is expressed in outward acts. Because if we really have the right kind of religion, if we really have a relationship with God, it is going to be expressed in outward deeds, outward acts. Isn't that right? In the sight of God and, and uh, Father, and the sight of our God and Father is this. Here it is. To visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress. So James even talks about this in chapter 1. If you go forward in the book of James, he will bring this back up again in chapter 5. It's all throughout his book. You know, Jesus came to the rich young ruler. You remember that story in the Bible. And he said, let me test you. He said, you say you want to follow me. You remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And Jesus said, let me test you and see if you're sincere. He said, if you're sincere, I want you to go back and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And then I want you to come follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler dropped his head and walked away because he just could not do that. God identifies with the poor. As a matter of fact, that's why God chose Israel. That's why God chose the Jewish people as his chosen people, because they were the least. Let's look in the book of Deuteronomy very quickly. It says, The Lord did not love you, Israel, and he did not choose you, Israel, because you were greater in number than any of the other people, for you were the fewest. Of all people. Look at the next slide. He chose you because the Lord loves you. And in keeping with the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed or bought you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So you can take it all the way back to God choosing the Jews. He chose them. Because they were an oppressed people. They were, they were impoverished and they were weak. And God chose them. How do we know when we have true salvation? How do we know? When we see the heart of God. When we see the attitude of God in us. And let me just say this and, and then I'll, I'll be finished. That's one of the things I do love about this church. And it's one of the things I do thank God for when I think of the bridge. I think when I came here 25 years ago, and I think at that time what we were doing, we were doing some mission work. <laughs> Excuse me. We were doing some mission work. We were reaching out to a little bit of local missions, um, ministries in the community. But from that day to this, 
you have become the most generous, most giving church I have ever served as a pastor. Now, will we always work on that? And will we always develop that? And will we always be um, evaluating our generosity? Yes, we will. But I just want to tell you guys how much I love you. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate all that you do and the many, many hundreds, thousands of people that you bless far beyond this church. And I thank you for that. And I tell you, when I, when I think about what God said today, when, when I read about how he said, I'll bless you if you'll do that, and I'll heal you if you'll do that, and I'll do miracles in your midst if you'll do that then it makes me want to go back and make sure we're on it when it comes to ministering to the nobodies. Amen. Guys, I thank you for sticking with me. I've struggled up here a little bit today. But God's Word is true, isn't it? And God's Word is rich. And God's Word is real. And I just thank you so much. Can we stand together?